Um, always a privilege, always an honour to, to, to stand in front of you. Uh, in fact, wherever, wherever I may be, whether it's over Airedale or some other place, to be able to stand in front of a group of people and just say, this is what God has been putting on my heart. It's such a privilege and such an honour. So um, I submit this to you, Jesus. I thank you for the words that you've given me, for the motivation, for the, for the direction that you've given, Father God. And I pray that for every heart uh, that is here this morning, let it be open to receive and let every ear receive that as well father god let let us truly listen to what you have to say to us by your spirit this morning amen 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 amen. um okay so the last couple of weeks the last couple of times i've spoken actually oh it wasn't wasn't tony good last week he, 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 was, he was really good. And if you weren't there and, and maybe you're busy doing other things, I'd recommend check out the video. We'll post it on Facebook. It's on the YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'll get the audio on podcast and my church suite over this next week. But, but listen to it. It was, it was so, so good. And I, I think it fits so well um, in, into, where, into what we've been doing. And what is it that we've been doing? What is it that I've been speaking about the last couple of times I've spoken? Well, the first week I talked about um, uh, loving others. Um, and that was about making, actually I told it making disciples, the next week was loving others. Making disciples was the first week. And that's to help us to really engage once again what our primary mission and purpose is as, as a believer, but as a church as well, that we are to go out into the world and we're to do what? We are to make disciples. And, and you only get to that discipling bit, I, I think, when they first turn their hearts towards Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Saviour. Otherwise, it's just mentoring. It's just good life teaching, I think. But discipling, it, it just hits a whole new spiritual level, I think. It, it, you remember I talked about that the real discipleship uh, is encouraging, it's lifting up, but it also pushes and prods those places that might be a little bit painful, but you need prodding and pushing on those little bit places to help you advance and mature and, 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 and grow into the fullness of Christ. And that only comes through discipleship. And that, that, that means then we have to be ready to be discipled ourselves, doesn't it? It means we have to have a heart where I'm ready to be discipled. But it also means who, who, finding somebody to disciple you. Um, being bold enough to, to search out that teacher, that, that person. You go, do you know what, I, I think you've got something that you can, you can bring to me. And, and if that person feels it's right, then let them disciple you. And so it's about having a humble heart, isn't it? To know that you don't have all the answers. Who thinks they've got all the answers? Excellent. Nobody put their hands up. Although, Dan, you nearly did. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Nobody's got all the answers. We don't have everything sewn up and sewn in, do we? So, so we, need, we need that, that discipline of, of being discipled in our lives so that we can, we can reach, reach further and, and move out into everything that God has got for us. Um, and, and also then I spoke about uh, loving others. So loving others was um, that, that idea that, that everything that we do is in the context of love. Everything that we do is in the context of love. So if we are discipling one another or looking to, to make disciples or indeed looking just to reach out into the world to, to tell people about Jesus, it needs to be within that context of love. And I focused it around loving your neighbour. You know the passage of love your neighbour as yourself. So we, we first and foremost need to, need to do what? We need to love ourselves, don't we? We need to love ourselves. And that's so hard, particularly for the younger amongst us who... who can too easily compare themselves to the Instagram pictures of their favourite celebrity who, who has been photoshopped within a degree of their Instagram life. Uh, there was a, a picture I saw on Facebook and it was the before, it, it, it was a picture of a guy on some sand and he had a, a, a bud next to him and he had the camera there and his hat on, he looked really cool. And then it panned out to show you he was in this city, he just laid on a pile of sand that they were preparing for the, for the building to build the building and just, you know what I mean? But if you'd just seen that one 
one picture, you'd have seen this guy, presumed he was on the beach, and he was okay. So don't, don't always believe what you, what you see. Um, uh, discern everything by the Spirit. But my point is that you, you, you don't believe that everybody around you knows what they're doing. Um, <laughs> because, because everybody's learning to some degree or other. And so learn to love yourself and to know that who you are right now, that's good. God's got your back and, and he'll, he'll work with, with who you are. All right. And we're, but there's always more to do, more to learn. So that's what I, I talked about and, and that we, we, we do it. So we, do, we reach out and, and we put evangelism, because uh, that's, that's primarily what we're talking about. But we put evangelism into the context of love and that we don't reach out through some kind of religious duty. Do you understand what I mean by that? We, we, it's, not a, it's, it, it's a commandment, but it's a commandment within the context of love. Uh, and evangelism, again, we, we need to not be scared of, of that word. Um, and and I, think, I think that's where God was leading us when he gave us this phrase at the beginning of the year, you make me brave. Because to reach out, particularly in our present climate in the, in the UK, to, to reach out to others and to tell them about Jesus, we've got to be a little bit brave, haven't we? we we've, we've, got, there's got, there's got, we've got to have a bit of a boldness about us, and that boldness only can only come from the Holy Spirit. I think just to be able to tell somebody that Jesus loves them um, is you don't know whether you're going to be arrested or not uh, in the public sphere these days, whether you're going to be fined from your job uh, in the public sphere these days. You've no idea. So it takes a little bit of boldness to go out and, and step out and to tell them that they're loved. And so I think as we approach 2019 this year really has all been about helping us understand who we are in Christ and the boldness that we have in the Holy Spirit so that we recognize that he does make us brave and that we 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 can fulfill that commandment by stepping out in the boldness of the Holy Spirit and this week this week I was going to talk about um, how we tell stories how we tell stories uh, how how we tell our not only our own story of salvation I was going to get you to all have a little think and even start to write down some bullet points of your story of salvation. Some of you would have loved that. Some of you would have hated that. Um, and, and, and to really start, some of us have actually done that in, in, in the past, haven't you? You've actually written down your, your testimony, your, your, your story of salvation. Um, and I was going to get us to do that. And, 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 but more importantly, I was, I was going to get us to um, learn how that we actually, it's not necessarily about telling our story, but it's about listening to their story. That, that actually that that's the most important thing. That the beginning of, of every relationship begins with listening. The beginning of every relationship begins with listening. So actually, uh, it's, it's how really not only about our own salvation story, but how we listen to those who don't yet have a relationship with Christ. So I was going to do all that. And then God told me not to. Uh, and then as, as, I, as I was... Um, kind of posting the new blog post uh, that I did it was I based that on something I did a couple of years ago called scared of the dark do you remember that sermon scared of the dark uh, and so I, I adapted that that sermon and I posted it as a blog post uh, and and it, I reminded myself that in that the week prior to that I'd done uh, a, a preach on telling your story so if you're interested in that you can go back on online and, and look at it from a couple of years ago because I'm not going to talk about stories this morning I'm going to come back to a question that the, the Holy Spirit laid on my heart, the Holy Spirit laid on my heart uh, throughout this, this, this last week. And it was this question, and it was as I was driving, so I'm mulling the different, uh, uh, manipulating the sentence, and what, what exactly are you wanting to mean? It's good, isn't it, to, to meditate on something, to chew on something, but what, what, what are you trying to get at, God? What, what is that thing? And it was this, this question. It's not a simply asked, answered question, um, but it was this. Do I believe... That the Holy, that Holy Spirit 
Do I believe that Holy Spirit really will work through me to bring others to Christ? Do I believe that Holy Spirit really will work through me to bring others to Christ? How much, how much of our evangelistic endeavours then should, should rely on not what we do, but actually what, what the Holy Spirit does through us? Because humanly speaking, evangelism isn't difficult. It's actually impossible, humanly speaking, because nobody on earth brings someone to Christ. No one brings anyone to Christ. That's something that only God can do. Uh, so I find it quite funny when I say, oh, I brought 20 people to, to Christ this year. Well, no, you haven't. You've been on that process. You've been on that journey. And you've helped, certainly. But, but Holy Spirit has brought them to him, not you. But then I got, that got me thinking. But, but it, it, if, if the Holy Spirit, is, if, if the Holy Spirit is, is the person who does that, is the person who really brings people into himself, if that's only something that God can do, then why, as I was pondering this, why are there so many brothers and sisters in the faith all across the world um, that they're insistent that the Holy Spirit doesn't move powerfully in our world today? They don't think that he moves in our world today. And he exists actually just to nudge us in the right direction, to make us feel nice about stuff, and to add him to you know, the baptism piece of scripture that we say, you know, baptized in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so who are these people? What's their title? What do they have as an overarching title? Do you know? Does anybody know? Well, they're called cessationists. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Do you know what I mean when I say cessationist? Over here, do you know what I mean? Okay, well, that's, that's fine. We're going to explain what that is. So these, these are our brothers and sisters in the faith, and we love them. We, we love them. They believe that Christ died for our sins and he rose again uh, and what have you. Uh, but, but, but they don't believe that the Holy Spirit needs to work that much more after the first century. So within the first century, the Holy Spirit did powerful things in and through the people. But he only did that to establish the church and, and for the scriptures to, to be gathered together. Once, once the church had been established and it was going strong and once scriptures had been, had been put together, the cessationists don't believe then that, 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 that the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are, are needed anymore and, and therefore he's, he's just a, a figure that helps us feel right, nudges us in the right direction, but we don't necessarily, well, he definitely doesn't heal, we don't speak in tongues, uh, we don't give words of knowledge, and we don't prophesy. And, and, and what, it, what, what, what they do is, they, 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 they say, okay, Holy Spirit's over here, but now we've got the Bible. Now we've got the Bible, that's all that we need. It's all that we need. We no longer need, we no longer can hear accurately from the Holy Spirit, and we don't need all those other things, because we have that. So, the Holy Spirit, in a cessationist mindset, was... uh, was part of the Godhead who convicted and empowered the first century church to get going and he's only actually stayed with us beyond beyond that timid sense. So do you understand what I mean now by cessationists? Okay, so we love them. We love them. All right, we don't, we don't, we don't divide ourselves. We, we love them and, 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 I, and we pray that they have a powerful encounter of the Holy Spirit and he really moves because clearly I, I'm not a cessationist in case you're wondering. 
I'm not a cessationist. We're not a cessationist church. We're a sensational church. We're not a sensationist church. All right, Freedom Church is not that. We are, we are something called a charismatic church. Do you know what I mean by charismatic? You heard that phrase? Okay, I'm going to explain it anyway because not everybody nodded their head. We, we, believe, we believe that the Holy Spirit enables us to speak other tongues. To actually speak, because I read this in Scripture, Kath questioned me on this last night. She went, what do you mean by this? That, that in Scripture, it tells us that the Holy Spirit enabled people to speak other earthly languages. They said, how do they know what we're saying? We haven't come from, why are they speaking the same language? And I've heard over, over the last you know, decade or so that I've been a believer um, that, that of other people who've thought they were speaking a heavenly tongue, but it turned out they were speaking another earthly tongue and actually communicating to an individual within the congregation the very things that they needed to hear. So I believe the, I believe, we believe that the Holy Spirit enables us to speak other tongues and we also believe the Holy Spirit gives us a heavenly tongue as well. Something that, that we don't understand as, as, as where it's like it goes from the heart to the mouth and misses the head. You know, it's, 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 it's speaking to God back to him uh, uh, in a way that when, when, when we, when we're, when we really work out, if you've heard the story of myself, I've told you kind of I didn't really believe that that, when I first became a Christian, didn't believe that we spoke that kind of language because I didn't read it necessarily in scripture. Um, but I thought I'm going to give it a go anyway and I'm going to see what happens. And, and it was like light bulbs going on in my head. You know, as, as the heart spoke out of the mouth, God revealed something and bypassed that intellectual argument that I might have had about it. And I believe that's what one of the, one of the powerful things of speaking in tongues does. It just reveals things to you that you might have understood to be quite difficult previously, but actually through the revelation of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, it begins to reveal something to you. So I believe that. I believe that we, we can prophesy as a church because of the because of Holy Spirit. We can speak words of knowledge. And we can see people healed as well. Anybody seen anybody healed by the power of the Holy Spirit? One, two, anybody? Anybody? Anybody else? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll wait for you, Gary. Because um, you've told stories, so I knew that. So, so, so a lot of us have, you know? I'm waiting for the arm to grow back. I'm believing for that. You know what I mean? I'm waiting for a leg to grow back. I want to see it. Um, um, but, but God moves in, in mysterious ways in, in how he heals. So... Here's my point. When I ask the question, do I believe that the Holy Spirit will really work through me to bring others to Christ? I'm really asking for his conviction to follow through with all that I've just said. Words of prophecy, uh, healings, uh, wisdom, speaking in in other languages. Um, I want to be so confident that the Holy Spirit really does move in us and through us in power that together... We, we, we help remove any doubt. So with me and the Holy Spirit, we, we remove any doubt from the unbeliever. And we, and we encourage new faith. That's, that's, what I, that's, that's, that's what I really believe happens when the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. Um, John Newton, the, the same guy who, who wrote the famous hymn, what hymn did he write? What famous hymn? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. And, and also, what else is he famous for as well? I mean, he was once a, a ship captain of a, of a slave ship, but he, he repented of all that, didn't he? And, and actually became a real campaigner uh, for the end of, of the slave trade. Well, that, well, the same John Newton. He said this, Is it really true that that which the early church so depended on, that the leadership of the Spirit is irrelevant to us today? 
I don't think the leadership of the Holy Spirit is irrelevant for us today. And I think that we can all answer that with a resounding, a resounding no, not at all. He's not irrelevant in any way, shape or form. And he, he moves powerfully through us. In, in John 14, from verse 25, Jesus himself prayed that the Father would send his disciples the Holy Spirit. He says this, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The disciples themselves needed the Holy Spirit to be reminded of what Jesus had said to them when he was on earth. The disciples who walked with Jesus day after day for you know, three years humanly forgot all the awesome things that he did and all the great things that he said they could achieve and they could do. But by sending his helper, by sending the Holy Spirit, he reminded them all that they could achieve through him. In Ephesians 3 from verse 14, the Apostle Paul Prays that the Ephesians would have the strength to comprehend the love of Christ. It's it's breadth, it's length, it's height and it's depth. So that what? So that they would be filled with the fullness of God. I just want to connect it back to last week that everything is within this context of love. And that when we know that we're loved and when we love ourselves as Christ loves us, we can begin to be filled with the fullness of God. Of God, and, and according to Paul, the guy who wrote this, he, he said those two things, knowing the love of Christ in the gospel and being filled with all the fullness of God are, are, are together. They're, they're two things together. You can't have one without the other. The gospel story is a story of love. A story of love. Romans 5 verse 5 says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So though we all fall short, and we all do fall short, a Christian should see this fruit especially growing in their lives. Remember that, that we choose to love. Remember last week, I said that we choose, not last week, the week previous, we choose to love. We, we don't fall into it by accident. Um, that those with the Holy Spirit working within us, we learn how to love those that, that we, might, we might deem unlovable. I, you know, I, I, can't, I fessed up, I fessed up a few times. There are those whom I, I find it hard to love, not through what they look like, but through who they are and their attitude. I'm sure some of us can think of that. But what, I, what my task is, 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 is I, as, as I'm filled with his spirit and, and, and as I'm, I'm maturing into, into Christ, who is the head, I, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to love those people. I'm actually saying the words, if not directly to their face, because that might be a bit weird. But I'm saying, I love you. I love you as Christ loves you. And there's something about declaring, isn't there? There's something about speaking out truths into the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere. I I love you. It's It's not a, I love you like I love custard, is it? It's not, I love you like I love that dude who's dancing on Strictly Come Dancing, the YouTuber. It's not, I don't, you know, um, uh, remember, as a sidestep, the, the word for love in, in scripture is chesed, or chesed, chesed. Okay, and, and it's, such a, it's such a wonderful word that, that there's over, you'd have to use over 26 different English words to try and describe this word that describes how God loves us, chesed. Agape is a word connected to that as well. One's Hebrew, one's Greek. 
over 26 English words. It's like that thing with the Eskimo snow, isn't it? Sorry, not Eskimo, Inuit snow. Um, you know, there's like a load of... Because it's so important to them, is snow. There are different types of snow. And they have lots of different words for those different... Well, God's love is so encompassing. We need, we need all these different English words to try and translate this one Hebraic word, chesed. So, so love, love, love is a choice. Love is what we do. We, we want to love like Jesus. We want to, we want to chesed them. We want a loving kindness and all that kind of stuff. Um, but remember my question. I, I, I've talked about love just very briefly. I want to remember my question. Do I believe that the Holy Spirit really uh, will work through me to bring others to Christ? So what's that got to do with it? Well, we might be, we might be up to learning how to love others more. We, we might say, do you know what, I, I'm challenged by that word, Mark, and, and, and I'm going I'm I'm to speak that out into the atmosphere. I'm going I'm to find those who are unlovable or who I find hard to love, and I'm going to say, say I love them. And, and, and that would be good, and that's a huge part of our evangelistic mission. It's a huge part of who we are, to, to, to first and foremost love people. Um, and, and to listen to them. But how do I know? And how will I know that it's, it's Holy Spirit who is behind any sign or wonder or prophecy or word? How will I know that? Now, as somebody who lived a huge part, part of their life uh, under the influence of, of paganism, uh, almost witchcraft, uh, spiritualism, and what have you, um, I, 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 can, I can tell you, that's me, by the way, in case so you were confused, I can, I can tell you that, that, that the, the demonic, that, that the darkness that he brings can do all of those things to a degree too. So I remember one of the things I used to be good at I'm not proud, but, you know, it's the best word you can use. It's something called psychometry. Anybody know what that is? I'm giving you some words this morning, aren't I? Psychometry, okay? It's where you hold an object and you can, in quotes, read the history of that object. It's a weird thing. I was good at that. I, I, could, I could tell the person, if they gave me a ring or a necklace, who, who, who that was owned by, in what context and where, and describe the house in which it, it was in, and the person. I used to be able to do that with, with, with strange detail. Well, it wasn't God doing that. That was the demonic. That was things that are not good telling me these things. But people were impressed. It, it was a wonder. They were, Wow. How do you, do you know what I mean? It was like, wow. And they wanted more and they wanted more. So, so, so that pulling on the things that aren't of God was something for a long time I was, I was well tuned into. So much so that even though I became a Christian in 2001, I always think it's 2002 for some reason, 2001, I became a Christian, I might have got married in 2002, maybe that's it. See, I remembered. And um, so... 2001, so I became a Christian, so, and, then, and then I went to Covenant College in 2004, 2005, that was the academic year that I did. Um, I, 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 I fought against a lot of stuff. I was probably a cessationist in, in practice, even though I was, I was open to hearing about what the Holy Spirit was going to do, because I'd experienced all this junk for so long, and I didn't want to tap into that that area, whatever that area it is, because I didn't know, is that the Holy Spirit or am I still tapping into the darkness? 
Uh, and I was, I was scared for a, a long time. Like, you know, three, four years. And halfway through Covenant College, which was a Bible college I went to, I remember this gentleman called Dave Haddon. Um, big guy, lovely guy, musical. Uh, and um, he, he, he did this session with us, and it was supposed to be about the Holy Spirit. And he sacked it off within five minutes and just said, let's just pray and prophesy and give words of wisdom and all that. And just let's just practice. I'm going to talk about that in a bit, in a bit but let's just practice the Holy Spirit moving. Uh, and, and obviously, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So I'll just stand over here in the corner and let them all, you know, let them all kind of get involved with that. And I'll shut my eyes and pretend to be holy. Do you, do you know what I mean? Who's done that, eh? Hey? Who's done that? Mm. So... I'm going to the toilet now. What, just as they're starting to pray and prophesy? Like, yeah, I'm really bursting. You know? um, so, but the Holy Spirit wasn't happy that I was doing that. And, and soon I was dragged into the very centre of the activity where people were praying and prophesying over me. And before you know it, and this doesn't happen often to me, maybe I should pray for it to happen more, I, I, I was what they call slain in the spirit. I, 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 I collapsed onto the floor. I could not hold my own weight. I cla- there were tears pouring out of my eyes and people praying and prophesying. And for the first time, I'm getting goose pimples just thinking about it. For the first time, I thought, I know how to connect with Holy Spirit. I know what's of God and I know what's of darkness and I no longer am subject to the darkness. I am now a citizen of the light. And it's a real changing moment for me in 2004, 2005. And I began to really work in and, 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 and let the Holy Spirit work through me. And I began to pray and I began to prophesy and don't always get that right, still don't always get that right. But, but you know, I'm, 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 giving, I'm giving God a go. I'm just saying, God, I'm just open. Just help me, help me more. So, um, so, so, so how do I know that the Holy Spirit is behind this sign or a wonder? Well, that was, that was a, a point for me where I began to identify what is of the Holy Spirit. But here's a major part of, the, of, of how we identify what's of the Holy Spirit. And this is where the sensationists have it right, is, is we read our Bible. We, 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 who's got a Bible? I've only got an iPhone. You know, bring your Bibles to church, guys. Or bring your iPhones with the app on at the very least. Or your smartphones. Other smartphones are available. Um, you know, bring it, bring it, bring it. Because part of the answer to knowing is that the Holy, is that Holy Spirit is, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? The Holy Spirit's primary vehicle for moving and speaking in our lives is, is as, as he points things out to us through his scriptures. And, and, and we know that that's not off kilter when it lines up with his word. So that's a massive part of, of how we know. It's, it's so important to read our Bibles. Not just, not just do daily verses, but actually read our Bibles. You know, the, the Bible is a collection of books. So pick a book and read it. Finish to, finish to end. There's some very short books that are like, I think Titus is one page or two pages, something like that. Um, you know, once it, start there. Absorb that, meditate on it, see what, see what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Pick a short book, use that as your excuse. Just, it's short, so I'm going to read it, all right? Get, go for that. Avoid Leviticus for now, okay? <laughs> just, just, just go for it, do that. And because, because the Holy Spirit will help us understand what we read. And here's, here's a cool thing. It, later, in, in many, many situations you might find yourself in, Holy Spirit will teach others through your words... And I wrote here the word extol. He will extol wisdom through you 
by reminding you of chapter and verse from scripture. And sometimes you might not remember the chapter and the verse, and that's okay, you just paraphrase it. Okay, as long as it's roughly about that. Because all our translations are really a paraphrase of the original language. 26 words for love, remember? And we just write love. Okay, so it's okay. So that's just, that's just, because the Holy Spirit just puts on your heart and on your mind something of, for many years he did that before I really got to know the scripture, um, you know, as, as well as I do now, which is still not good enough. But I'd be speaking things of scripture out by the Holy Spirit and I didn't know that it was scripture. But let's, let's read it. I believe that more as we read about, about the Spirit of God, that's what Holy Spirit is also known as, the Spirit of God, the more we're, we're conformed. I try to use another word instead of conformed, you know, to put it into more plain English for you. But conformed, there was no other word I could have used. It, it means being shaped and, 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 and uh, uh, not manipulated in a bad sense, but, but, but formed into who he is. It's conformed. You know, it's, it's what's that? Made like, you know. So um, if you look in Romans 8 and, and Romans 12, there's bits in there that tell you about being conformed to Christ's character. But as the more we read about, the more we read the Bible and read about Holy Spirit, the more that we'll walk uh, the paths of wisdom. Wisdom will just come out of you. And you remember I said a few weeks ago, it's like I say some things in, in meetings with people and I, go, and, and I leave afterwards and go, I, wow, that was wise. <laughs> Woo. I sounded so good. And it's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> you know, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through me. So anytime I meet anybody for any kind of issues or any, I just get together. I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you just be with me? Speak through me. And, and, and you know, people have come back to me, oh, you're so wise. I go, no, no, I'm not. Uh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Um, as we do, let me just take a drink of this. Thank you for the coffee, Dan. It's lovely. As, as we do that, as we, as we read scripture, we'll accomplish the will of God and we'll become more and more assured that it actually is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And sometimes, here's, here's another side to it, sometimes that working through us actually is, is what comes so naturally to us. Let me explain what I mean. The, the bizarre thing is that as, as charismatic Christians, so I've talked about charismatic Christianity, we know that as, as charismatic Christians, we're so filled up with such a desire to, to see the miraculous, you know, to have some carpet time, to, 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 to have some shabba-dabba-do moments, to, to do all that kind of stuff. We're so desperate for that, to, to, to see God moving powerfully in every single way. In fact, we raise our voices as we do that. Do you know what I mean? Let's get the emotion going. Let's get all that going. That we miss the obvious that's right in front of us. What I mean is this. We, we perceive what God wants by looking at the gifts he's placed within us. We perceive what God wants actually by looking at the gifts he's placed within us. Let me give you some Bible uh, um, connections to reinforce what I mean by that. When Nehemiah, so who knows Nehemiah from the Old Testament? Okay, when, he, when, he, when he left Jerusalem to, left for Jerusalem to rebuild his walls, he didn't actually have a command from God. At least I don't read a command from God. Uh, maybe I missed it, I don't know, but I, I don't see it. What I read is that Nehemiah simply said that God had put it into his heart to do it. Just something he felt he had to do. When the Apostle Paul came to Athens, um, Luke records in Acts 17 from, uh, and verse 16, he said that his spirit was provoked within him about the idolatry in Athens. You know, he's bothered about them kind of worshipping uh, false gods. So sometimes we know what to do. 
Sometimes we know what to say, not because of a direct download from the Holy Spirit, but more because of our, the formation of our character into one that is more Christ-like. And, and, and as it forms, we intuitively begin to know what God's will is. It's just natural to us. Somebody, years ago, somebody just said, oh, Mark, I don't know what to do about this. It was a very small affair. I can't remember exactly what it was now. And I went, you don't need to pray, just choose. You don't need to pray about what colour jumper to put on that morning. Just choose one. And what I mean by this is a simple analogy to say, well, if, you, if, you, if you're in tune with God, if, 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 the Christ, if the character of Christ has been formed within you, you'll just do the right thing. It's good to pray. It's good to ask God. I get that. But, you, you know, not all that. We don't need to ask God for everything, do we? That would be silly. Jonah, another character um, from the Old Testament, he, let, let, me, let me talk about this. Let me, let me skip back, actually. Because sometimes we also experience, um, uh, this is about Jonah, we, we, we experience a holy disconnect. It's another thing we might feel as well. Just, just something just doesn't feel right. And, uh, about a particular situation or, 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 or maybe about a specific promise from God to, to our context. It just, just doesn't feel right. You're not quite sure what it is. And sometimes, sometimes we might perceive that, that an open door away from the difficulty is what God wants. We, we, might, we might perceive that and, and that we have to walk through it. But sometimes an open door isn't something in God's will for us. And this is what I mean by Jonah. He's, he's another character from the Old Testament. He boarded his open door on a ship to, to Tarshish. But actually, he thought he was doing the right thing. I, I, I need to go this way. God's will was actually for him to turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction. If you don't know the story, go, go read about Jonah. Um, so there's, there's lots of different aspects of how we work out the, what how, how we work, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. Sometimes it's intuitive, sometimes it's a direct download. But here's the thing, church, here, church and within life groups and any other church context, I think it should be a safe place to work out what those gifts are that you have in you. It should be a safe place and and what gifts you aren't the strongest in. And you might think you are, actually need some work on, you know. But church is a safe place for that and it should be a safe place for that, shouldn't it? We're a family, are we not? Do I like my kids just get away with not brushing their teeth Neve will tell you of course not of course not I'm like a a rabid dog you brush your teeth you brush your teeth brush your teeth you know because I know what's good for them and so you know within a family we, we should be able to practice practice the gifts practice what we've got inside us without fear of, of rejection or, 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 um, or anybody kind of bullying us in any way as well so as, as we begin to see how the Holy Spirit reaches, uh, works through us and how we begin to reach out to unbelievers, we, we've got this safe place here, this, this church community, to practice the gifts of the Spirit. So that, and this is why it's safe, because what, you might say something in its prophetic word. Others then can discern that. Others can discern what you've said. Is it true? And then also refer to scriptures. Well, does it line up with what the Bible says? And that way we stop heresy, we stop people stepping out and, and doing some weird and wonderful things like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and what have you. Because at, at the heart of them, they, they, want to, they, they say they're Christian, but there are some aspects of what they do which doesn't line up with what Scripture says. So much so that they have to produce their own version of Scripture to make the words fit and change. More havoc, more havoc has been reached in the church with, with these, and, and in the world actually with these following words. 
right? More, more heartache has been caused by these followers. God told me to. God told me to. Whatever he told you, that is. Then possibly any other phrase that we have in our, our armory. Um, there's, there's no arguing with that phrase, is there? Somebody says, God told me to. I can't argue with you because you believe that God's told you. I can't, you know, and if I argue with that, then I'm arguing with the creator of the universe, aren't I? So what I'm trying to say is we need to use that phrase with caution. Because sometimes God does tell you. (laughs) But let's not chuck it around like confetti. God told me to. No, it could just be a nice thing that you thought about. And and, and what we do is we, we place humble, what I'm trying to say, we place humbleness before any word or action. And, and, and let's be sure that we're sure. And within church we can do that because we, we're like this, uh, I can't remember what the phrase is now, but we're, we're this self-correcting mechanism within the church when we come out with something prophetic. We must hold our various senses of Holy Spirit's movement in tension with one another and submit it to scriptures is what I'm trying to say. Paul tells us that we are to, we are to test St. Paul, Apostle Paul, we're to test the prophecies given to us in church. And this isn't an exact science and it isn't a formula. And as much as that might disappoint us, it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said, after all, that experience in the Holy Spirit is, is, is something like a mysterious encounter with the wind. John 3 verse 8. It's a mysterious encounter with the wind. But, but we're called out to make disciples, aren't we? Let's, let's connect all this now. We're called out to make disciples. We're not to keep those signs and wonders within the four walls of, of the local church. So it's a safe place to practice, in quotes, but we're not to keep the signs and wonders and miracles, knowledge and prophecy and tongues and healing. We're not to keep that within the four walls of the church. It's actually, it's actually we, 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 we've got to go out into the world uh, and, and, and give them the sign to the wonder that is Christ. Evangelism is, is, is the mission of the people of God. Remember, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, Matthew 28 from verse 18. So it's good to practice in the church. It's good to practice in the church what we have to practice, that we're sure that we're hearing from God as we go out from the church. Liz this morning stood up and gave a word. She believes it was from God. I believe it was too. I feel it was too. I feel it was right. It landed on her heart, but she safe place, isn't it, Liz? To go, I, I'm practicing this. What's, what's a step up in boldness is saying the same kind of word to a group of people who aren't believers. And that's our next step, isn't it? That's, that's where we go to next with the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, going back to what I've said at the start, it's, it's actually the responsibility of, of who? The responsibility of... You were listening, weren't you, I hope? Holy Spirit. To, to, to turn people's hearts back to God. Sorry, I, I skipped ahead, it's fine. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to turn people's hearts back to God, which is the essence of evangelism. As, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. So technically, evangelism is God's mission to begin with. Which really means evangelism is Holy Spirit's mission. We are instruments in the hands of God, instructed us to do our part. So along with wisdom, being our counsellor, the Holy Spirit enables us to be witnesses by giving us boldness in proclaiming the gospel. In, in Acts 4, uh, Peter, another character from, from the New Testament, Peter, he, he said he's filled with wisdom and boldness 
It's filled, it's filled, it's filled with the Holy Spirit and, he, and it's filled with wisdom and boldness. In Acts 4, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. He spoke to those who were in charge, you know, those who could potentially kill him, but he had the boldness of the Holy Spirit inside him. After the leaders threatened to, the disciples to stop declaring the gospel, Holy Spirit again fills them with boldness. Acts 4, verse 31 said that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered together. I'd love our church to be shaken. I'd, I'd, sure, I'd love it. I'd love it. Because they were filled together, it says, with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I pray for each and every one of us that we are shaken and we can, fill, we can speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit is responsible for softening an unbeliever's heart and leading them to conversion. And as much as we might wish it otherwise, it is impossible for us to, to convert an unbeliever who's not somehow been touched by God. That needs to happen. Unless, but the thing is, unless we reach out, we won't find that out unless we witness to them. So how do we know their heart's been softened unless we reach out to them? So, so there's a partnership going on, isn't there? God goes before us and, and it, go, it, it goes behind us, and, but, but we've got to reach out because um, unless we reach out, we won't find out. And even if they refuse, even if they don't want anything to do with you, you might actually plant a seed for someone else to water later on. But ultimately, it is God who causes, who causes the growth, which we personally might not ever see. So while it's not our responsibility to convert unbelievers, it is our responsibility to, to speak the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is our responsibility. Each and every one of us, we don't get a pass. It's, it's our responsibility in any given opportunity. But let's come back to the question. Do I believe that Holy Spirit really will work through me to bring others to Christ? Well, the bottom line is that it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to give you the words to defend the gospel if needed and to convince others with the power of God through signs and wonders. However, it is our responsibility to know God's word. And his word is what? It's the, it's the Bible. It's our responsibility to read the word so that the Holy Spirit has the truth within us available to use. We're not automatons where God downloads like a program and clicks activate and we go off and do what he needs to do. He needs to work with what, what's within us and he will work with what's within us. But the more we put within us, the more the Holy Spirit works through us. Like, we, we are like an instrument in God's hands, I do get that. But the more knowledgeable that we are in the truths of God, the more useful we are to God's spirit for evangelism. I'm going to finish just by reading you 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. Now it is God himself who has anointed us. And he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he has also stamped his seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of blessings to come. If you are a believer this morning, you are born of the Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit. We are dwelt in by the Spirit. We are baptised in the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, made one with the Spirit, giving gifts of the Spirit and giving ministries 
by the Spirit. Holy Spirit is a promise. He's a seal. And he's a guarantee that we will receive our full inheritance. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.